Psalms, the book of Psalms, and the first is Psalm 84, and in the Pew Bible it's page 594, and in the large print Bible no one else but me will need to know perhaps, but it's 916. Wonderful Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And then we are going to Psalm 27, and we are having uh, verses 4 to 8, and that will be on the pew, in the Pew Bible, page 557. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray.
Father God, we thank you for this place. We thank you for the community of which we're part. We thank you for your presence amongst us. We thank you for all the good things that have happened in this place, bringing people to faith in Jesus, blessing their lives, healing, strengthening, renewing. And we seek your face, Lord, that your blessing may continue upon this fellowship to the glory of your name. Amen. I'd like to thank Mike especially. He's done this three times today. And uh, so have I. (laughs) Uh, uh, And... uh, it's been a powerful and a moving day for, for me and for Sue to look back on our years here at St. Saviour's, to uh, acknowledge and affirm friendship um, and so many good things that have happened amongst us uh, and also to uh, look forward to the future and to be a mission partner of St. Saviour's for the next phase, particularly as we... Uh, are investing in this mission community to be based at St. Mary's is, is a privilege when I take uh, seriously. It's helpful in it's a, 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 the element of accountability it has and it also uh, links us together for the future. And Mike and I have had many conversations actually about how uh, we can continue to travel together and work together. Several times uh, a week, uh, I drive my wife to work. Um, That's probably a little generous, several, isn't it? Once or twice uh, a week, I drive my my wife to work up at the university. And as we drive around that lovely lake and down to the well-being centre, there is a huge banner on one of the walls. It's, It's as high as the building, which is four or five stories. And and it has this humble message on it. Wonderful things happen here. And uh, we we chuckle about that every time we go by. And I'm I'm a very boring man, so every time we go by it, I I sort of proclaim it again to the world. Wonderful things happen here. Um, Now, St. Saviour's would never be so self-promotional as to... um, placard it across the front uh, or anywhere else. Wonderful things happen here. I think tonight, my brothers and sisters, um, as it's time to move ahead into something new, I think I can say that. And I would like you to know it. And I would like you to recognize it in your own lives. And I would like you to recognize it in our town. Wonderful things happen here. That's not because we're wonderful people, although many of you are. Um, That's not the point. Why I wanted to sing that uh, wonderful song earlier on, only by grace can we enter, only by grace can we stand, not by our human endeavour, but by the blood of the Lamb. Into your presence you call us. You call us to come. And now by your grace we come. 
And this is a place of grace. It's been a place of grace ever since it was built. For Sue and me, it's been our experience. This is a place of grace in the time we've been here, and it continues to be. And it is on that basis that God's grace is abundantly available here, that we gather in the name of Jesus. We gather because of his love, because of his self-sacrifice on the cross, because of his gift of the Spirit, and because of his love for us. And because of that, wonderful things happen here. This service has gone through various transmogrifications. Is that a word? Trans, uh, uh, since I've been here. Um, for a while we had two evening services. One of them was called Submerge, and um, it, that was a service particularly for younger people, uh, waifs and students and young adults. That was uh, an afternoon service for about four or five years. The seven o'clock service, as it was for many years here, was a, a remarkable place, actually, because it, it brought together uh, a circle of people who um, were a real mixture. St. Saviour's people, people from a great number of other churches around the town who were looking for refreshment and strength and encouragement. And it was a place where the, the Word of God was preached with care and thoroughness, and people were built up and strengthened for their daily lives, whether they were Protestant saviors or not. We've had two services over the last few years, and now we're down to one service. It's taken many different forms, but this, my friends, is a place where wonderful things happen and have for many years, because by his grace, God's Spirit meets with people here. Not for our own sake, but for the sake of a world he loves. Not because we merit it in some special way, but so that the gospel of God's love in Jesus Christ can be made known in our town and can be made known across the world as we are willing to invest in it and give ourselves to it. That's the heritage of this church. It's the heritage of this evening gathering. And I don't know who's here this evening uh, from other churches around Guildford. If you are, you must know that you are warmly welcome and we, we pray that you receive here something that uh, equips you for your daily life. I'd also like to sort of welcome and acknowledge this evening good friends of Sue and myself who have made the effort to be here tonight uh, from various places and in a way remind us of the, the ministry we've had and some of the investment we've had um, in, in this place. So um, a few of those who've gone on to be uh, ministers, ordained ministers in the Church of England are here. Um, uh, Catherine is here and James is here and Ardell is here um, and I might have forgotten somebody, I don't know, but um, Anne is here, thank you. Um, thank you for coming and sharing this evening with me. The Part of the privilege of my time here has been uh, journeying with people as they discover God's call on their lives, not just uh, towards uh, a church ministry, but wherever God may be calling them in life. And uh, you, uh, I treasure as friends, and I'm grateful for you uh, coming all this way particularly 
those of you who come from Bristol and the Midlands and so on, thank you for coming. And there have been, this morning there were mission partners here, and this evening our uh, mission partners are here as well again. Ardor qualifies as both, and uh, Claire is, uh, his wife Claire is here. I married them as well. I baptise their children. I've got a stake in their lives, and I'm proud and glad for that. I, um, Paul and Eileen are here, um, who led uh, the Get Connected course and the Deeper program. Where are you, Paul and Eileen? There you are. Um, many of you might not know them. They were really, really strategic in this place over four or five years, whilst we ran a uh, a year-long program in discipleship and, minis- and mission for young people. Uh, out of that, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 um, young people, uh, almost all of them moving on into street- strategic uh, ministries, professional lives, and, and, and so on. Um, and uh, James led it with me for a while. Um, and so I, I rejoice this evening in... Uh, uh, the, in the coming together of uh, this congregation uh, in its journey and those who've been part of um, uh, recent years. Wonderful things happen here. I also want to just say this, uh, and then you'll get the sermon after that. It will be brief. It wasn't too bad this morning, was it? But, no. <laughs> um, I also want, want to say this, that Uh, There is a rightness for me and for Sue about uh, stepping down from our role at St. Saviour's at this time. Um, A good number of years ago, I can't remember how many years it would be now, but before David Bracewell announced uh, his retirement, although it was uh, an event on the horizon for quite a while, um, some of you will remember (laughs) how long it was on the horizon, Um, um, but before he, he uh, made that public, I, I, I had a deep sense within myself that my job, my calling, was to stay here and be here through whatever lay ahead, through the transition, and to play my part in conveying St. Saviour's rather like a precious little baby into the hands of new leadership. I felt that very, very strongly, and in some ways it was a rather surprising thing because we had a, a strong team of people here and um, uh, there was you know, no sense of urgency about it. Uh, in fact, that turned out to be a really important sense of, of calling. Uh, people moved on, uh, that team uh, scattered to, to various places. As many of you will know, we went through a difficult appointment um, when Michael Lawson was with us. Um, and um, uh, a very searching one for, for him and for us uh, as a community. I don't need to revisit that now. But as a community there at that time, uh, there was a great coming together of uh, people in graciousness and in trust and in faith-filled purpose to, to uh, journey together through that time. And for me, I was... Uh, it meant that that journey was much longer than I expected. And it is just over the last couple of years it's been clear to me that that mandate, that calling, has reached its conclusion. And I am entirely content to feel that that sense of calling to be here, to be part of conveying St. Saviour's uh, and its ministry into new hands has been accomplished. And I, I am 
very happy and content to um, step down and to, for, for Mike's leadership here to, uh, it will, to flourish in every way. Uh, Mike and Bex together and the other leadership team gathering around them. I, it's not for me to do this, but I commend them to you. I uh, affirm the, their leadership, their love for God, their love for you, their desire to be open to God's leading and to the development of this fellowship as a place of grace and a place of, of witness. So I, this is a place where wonderful things happen by the grace of God. And I rejoice in the journey you are on, as I need to say now, um, and in which Mike in particular is your, your rector and your senior pastor. I'd like, uh, and I do need to do it briefly really, but I wanted, uh, during the day, I've shared um, some reflections on Psalm 84, and I'd like to do that now. If you like to, you may like to open a Bible and just follow some of the things I, I want to draw from that, that psalm. Uh, this is actually uh, draft five of my sermon for today, um, because I've really struggled to know just what would I want to share with you this evening. Uh, this psalm has accompanied me through our whole time at St. Saviour's from some of the earliest times and it's come and gone it's spoken for a while and then I've forgotten about it and then it's come back again and um, uh, tonight it seems of special relevance I encourage you to read it at home again and to absorb it it's, uh, it's a delight this psalm it's, it's a, a, a piece of poetry of great, of great beauty At its heart is a narrative. At its heart, there is a story being told. It might not stand out and shout at you, first of all, um, but it's very evidently the case once you begin to read it clearly. And it's a a narrative about a pilgrimage journey. It's a narrative uh, about a a pilgrimage from an unnamed place uh, to Jerusalem for worship. And at its heart is this interesting and provocative phrase it talks in verse 5 blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage and that phrase has I was going to say haunted me that phrase has been deeply embedded in my heart for for many years as a description of what the spiritual journey is what the journey with God is um, and this psalm to me is not only a, uh, a description of the spiritual journey that characterized ancient Israel, but it's of all those who, who seek the God of Abraham and who seek the God of Israel. It is a life of pilgrimage. Blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Because the Christian life and the, the, the life with God is not static It is not something that is accomplished and done and dusted and complete. It is always something that leads us forward. And it is something which will conclude in the presence of God. As it says just a a verse or so later, um, each will uh, come, uh, let me quote it exactly, till each appears before God in Zion. So the Christian life is never static. It is always about movement. It's about change. And it is about coming before 
the God whom uh, called us in the first place, who provoked the pilgrimage. At its heart is a deep longing. That's evident from the very beginning of this psalm. My soul yearns, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And the pilgrim here, the the traveller here, is motivated by the most intense desire to come close to the God of Israel, the God whose dwelling place is is the temple in Jerusalem. It's a, a physical pain within him. It's something which drives him. And this theme occurs over and over again in the in the Psalms, the, the theme of longing for the presence of God, longing to be before him, longing to be singing his praise with others. The other Psalm we read has uh, those striking verses, striking phrases about seeking his face. Uh, he hears God say, seek my face. And he replies, your face, O Lord, do I seek. In Old Testament terms, it's a a technical phrase in a way. Seeking the face of the Lord was a precise phrase that described worship in the temple. You went to the temple to seek the face of the Lord. It's a powerful phrase, isn't it? Uh, A phrase of great power and of great great beauty. And it would do us no harm at all to occasionally um, reverse our language. We, We use the language of worship a lot. We encourage each other to, to worship the Lord, to sing and, and so on. We talk about a, a worship service. Somehow this phrase takes us to a slightly different place, doesn't it? Worship is to seek the face of the Lord. And that's actually why we come. That's what's in my heart, that's what's in your heart. We come, we really do, because we long for the courts of the Lord. We long for the presence of the Lord We long to be with him and before him. Because when the day that we put our faith in Christ, a new desire and a new birth took place within us, which pointed us away from all other loves towards this. Those who have come to faith in Jesus are those whose longing is for the face of God, the face which is the reality which is known to us in the face of Jesus Christ come into his courts a journey that will only be fully complete as we move from this life into resurrection life ahead George Herbert the poet has has a poem uh, which works with this, plays with this idea Um, and he has the fascinating idea that uh, God rewards the longing of our hearts not with satisfaction but with deeper longing and that it's almost the opposite of what you might expect that rather than longing being satisfied uh, its delight is in in being made more intense I suppose that's the, the experience of love and the longing of love He uses some other images. He speaks about the Christian life as being like a a great banquet, a wonderful banquet, in which the more that we eat and the more that we enjoy the banquet, actually the stronger our appetite gets. So instead of being satisfied and saying, no more, no more, 
actually our appetite increases. And he speaks also of uh, the Christian life being like a, a race or a long journey in which the further we go, uh, the stronger and the more energized we feel rather than uh, feeling more and more tired. It's counterintuitive, it's opposite to our normal experience of life, but it's the magic, if I can use that word, of, of the Christian life and the Christian journey. God rewards the longing of our hearts with a deeper longing. He rewards our hunger with ever greater hunger until we come into his presence. Along the way, uh, there is challenge and difficulty. No one knows what the psalmist meant here by talking about the valley of Baca. Um, I'd like to think that it's the Bakar Valley in, in the Lebanon, which is a dry place, which fits the story here, but um, that's just my, my private idea. There's some wonderful, some wonderful thoughts here, again, about the spiritual life and about our, our journey as, as Christian believers. The implication is that the Valley of Bakar was a dry, a desert place, but the passing of the pilgrim the passing of God's people on their way to the courts of the Lord, the passing of God's people through difficulty to the place of seeing God face to face brings rain, brings springs to to life, brings water and brings fertility to to the land. I think that's a a fabulous image of, of what the spiritual life can be. Uh, the spiritual life has many times of desert journey and struggle. The psalm suggests that it's in that journey, in the struggle, in the desert, that actually a strange work of watering takes place so that our struggle becomes uh, a distribution of fertility. I'm told that a, a legitimate, a possible translation of the passage here is that the pilgrim waters the ground with his tears. That's an extraordinary thought, that it's the very grief, the very struggle of the pilgrim, the very struggle and agony of the the traveller, the one going to the presence of the Lord. His very tears water the ground and bring fertility. It's all counterintuitive, all this stuff. The Christian life and its fruitfulness develops in in the ways we don't expect, against our, our expectations. Hunger gives place to greater hunger, and the place of dryness becomes a place of fertility because of our tears. That's the journey of God's people. And I've tried to encourage and affirm this evening what I see in this fellowship as it's changed and developed over the years. This fellowship on a Sunday evening is a particular place of feeding on God's word and coming before him in in worship, seeking his face, I encourage you to embrace this pilgrim journey, not simply individually, one by one, uh, but as a community, as a congregation, to journey in this way. And finally, the pilgrims uh, have the satisfaction and joy of reaching their destination. They pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears 
before God in Zion. There's that same theme. They're on pilgrimage, and as they approach Jerusalem, they go from strength to strength. It doesn't talk about the weary pilgrim at last staggering up the hill and arriving. These pilgrims, because they are coming before the living God, because they are coming to God's presence, move from strength to strength and come into the presence of God. My prayer for for you, for this church, and for this congregation, which for some reason is particularly on my heart this evening, is that this may not be uh, an individual, uh, a coming together of individuals who need a top-up on a Sunday night, but that it will be a communal journey of seeking the face of God, seeking the face of God in worship, seeking the face of God in Scripture, seeking the face of God in our, the openness of our lives as we are, uh, seek to give expression to the longing that he gives us to know him, to be with him, and eventually to enjoy him forever. May this be the kind of place where that, characterized by that hunger, and when people come in, they will recognize these are people on a journey. These are people going somewhere. These are people with desire in their hearts, a desire for the living God. A prayer that, again, for many years I have used repeatedly, and uh, it's very well known, it's very common, but I find it always refreshing, is the well-known prayer of Richard of Chichester, which, as you will remember, goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, may we see you more clearly. May we love you more dearly. May we follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen. We're going to take communion together now.